Bay's Tan Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Horsepower meets horse country. Showstoppers Collector Car Auction is coming to the World Equestrian Center March 25th and 26th. Sign up for bidding or general admission at showstoppersauction.com. 11 to close on both days. See your dream classic car at the Showstoppers Classic Car Auction this weekend, March 25th and 26th at the Ocala World Equestrian Center. Witness iconic cars cross the auction block worth millions of dollars. Register now and get your tickets exclusively at showstoppersauction.com. Come enjoy the show. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. My name is Roger, sir. May I be of some help? That's funny. My name is Roger. Two Rogers don't make a right. <laughs> Roger, I have a problem. Yes. I've been in LA for three months now. I have money, I have taste. But I'm not on anybody's A list, and Saturday night is the loneliest night of the week for me. Well, a Ferrari would certainly change that. Perhaps. Hmm. But you know, this is the one. Yes. Yes, yes, I saw three of these parked outside the local Starbucks this morning, which tells me only one thing. There's too many self-indulgent wieners in this city with too much bloody money. Now, if I was driving a 1967 275 GTB 4 cam... You would not be a self-indulgent wiener, sir. You would be a connoisseur. Precisely. Champagne would fall from the heavens, doors would open, velvet robes would part. I don't have one here. However, I do have one in the warehouse. Superb. What else do you have in the warehouse? And now... Hey, Rocky! Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat! Again? Nothing up my sleeve! Presto! <laughs> no doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hi, this is Bob Varshu. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
Welcome, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google TanTalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, check out NostalgicRadioAndCars.com. It's our archive page, where the podcasts are stored. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Pretty good. Hey, so we had we had some fun over the weekend. We went to uh, Inverness. They had a really cool car show down there, and that was a lot of fun. Um, we actually brought a, a 911 or two. Um, so we had some fun, and uh, nice little show, wasn't it, Bobby? Yep. Every third Friday of the month. Yes, that's right. And then uh, we diddy-bopped on over to, uh, or I diddy-bopped on over to the Villages over the weekend. That's on Saturday. And uh, that was a lot of fun. I really kind of liked that car show. I mean, it's just tons and tons of cars. What amazes me, usually about 250, 300 on the high side, 250 cars, 260, something like that. Real interesting, interesting, interesting stuff shows up there. And yeah, you got, you know, like most car shows, you know, you always got the the regular guys that show up there, but every once in a while something unusual pops up. And there was a guy there, not mentioning any names, but uh, he was in line in front of me, and he had, uh, I, at first I thought it was a 75, but it turned out it was a 76 Corvette. Extremely clean-looking car, burgundy color, nice factory wheels, lowered, or just it had a nice, the Corvette squat, as I say, you know, where the back end's down a little bit, which I like cars that squat. They handle better, actually, because when they tail drag. Proven fact. Um, if you autocross, you'll know. And uh, it was a factory four-speed car, but very, very nicely done, very tastefully done. Sl- very few little suspension mods, things like that. He had the big bulbous uh, taillights on it, which is kind of cool looking. So we got to jaw jacking a little bit, him and I. And uh, one thing led to another, and he started telling me about some guy from uh, one of the islands down here that uh, had a 70, 72 Corvette LT1, which is rare. They sell LT1s. Were 71, 70, 71, 72. 70 was a 370 horse, 71 was a 330 horse, and 72 was, uh, I think, 270 horse. And the 70 and 71s were four speed cars only, coupe and convertible. We had one at one point in time. We had a 71 Roadster, mainly, mainly red, red interior. And it was just a driver. That was many, 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 many moons ago. And then, uh, and, uh, and then in the 72, uh, you could actually get it with an automatic and or with air and or four-speed with air. Well, this car happens to be a Roadster, which is rare, with a hard top, long-time ownership, probably two or three owners before that, and uh, factory four-speed with air. So that makes a 72 LT1 four-speed with air kind of a rare car, kind of cool. So this is what I'm telling you. You go to these events. You know, if you're trying to network and stuff like that, sure. That's how you find the cars. You find the deals. If your car show swap meets, Leadfoot City was over the weekend too, wasn't it, Bobby? It was on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's that's how you find out the stuff. And, uh, you know, because by the time it's on the internet, it's a little late. You know, you got to bring a trailer, you're going to pay retail. You got to Facebook, eh, you might get a deal. Craigslist, mm, you might get scammed. Um, <laughs> you know, so, but there are some cars out there and you just have to dig them up. And as my generation gets a little bit older and they come to the realization that, you know what, I got 20 cars laying back there. I don't think I want to get to all of them. I might get to one. I might not get to the other 19. Now you have a shot at it. Anyway, all right, so what's going on this weekend? This weekend, obviously, if you want to find out where all the car shows are, you tune in too, or you check out, or you visit flacarshows.com, right, Bobby? And uh, in Lake Mary, the Lake Mary Marriott this weekend is the uh, Jaguar Club of America. No, Jaguar Club of Florida 
is having a meet over there, so there'll be some vintage and late model GURs. Um, Sebring was this past weekend. I missed it. Oops. Uh, and then the big thing this weekend is the inaugural Showstoppers Collector Car Auction at the Ocala World Equestrian Center. Now, that should be a lot of fun. And uh, so we're looking forward to it. As a matter of fact, while I'm talking about that, I actually have the president of Showstoppers Collector Car Auction on the phone, on the hook, as they say, um, Don Bowles. Don, how are you this evening? I'm very good, sir. How are you this evening? Pretty good, pretty good. All right, so tell us a little bit about Showstoppers, how it came about, and uh, if people want to find out more about it and attend, and uh, maybe even can sign a car because there's a day or two left, let us know. Okay, yeah, perfect. Um, just been, Showstoppers has been working on for about a year and a half now. Uh, of course, the, like everything else, COVID slowed us down just a little bit. Had a little bit of setbacks. Uh, our first auction is this Friday and Saturday, the 25th and 26th, um, out at the World Equestrian Center in Ocala, Florida. Um, got about uh, 80 to 100 cars going to be crossing the block. Um, a, lot of, a lot of really pretty cars, a lot of classics. Um, see, a couple, I think we got three C8 Corvettes, just a lot of good stuff. Well, one of the cars that you got that piqued my attention when I found out about it, me being a Shelby guy, one of the state reps for the Shelby Club, for SAC, Shelby American Automobile Club of America, was the 60, actually the 70 Shelby that was a drive pack car that somebody converted to a four-speed, which is okay in my book because I'm a four-speed guy. But that's a unique car. And then another car that you had in your showroom there, me being a Ford guy, so I have to be partial, uh, was the uh, Falcon Gasser. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's a, that is a cool car. And then I think you've got, uh, is there a, a vintage C2 Corvette going through? Mm. Or was it a Thunderbird? Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, not a vintage. We got a, I mean, we got a nice 69 Corvette that's consigned. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a, it'll be a reasonably priced across-the-block car, but it's a very nice car. Okay. Um uh, a lot of street rods. You got some street rods going through for people. Oh yeah, yeah. We got yeah. We got like six or seven really uh, top quality built street rods coming across the block as well. Give us a little background on Showstoppers. Now, the, uh, interestingly enough, you're in Ocala, okay, on the backside, and just north of uh, still Marion County, north of the villages actually, and Lady Lake in that area. Um, so, uh, you the, when I drove by there many many years ago, I just saw like a restoration shop, which was. I guess it was Was it called Bernie's back then? Yeah, yes, it was Bernie's. Uh, Bernie's is one of our major affiliate-type sponsors. Okay. Yep, and uh, they are involved with our with the showstoppers um, on the consignment side. Um, and, of course, as you know, they do the some fantastic restorations over there at Bernie's. Okay, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, and then the uh, and then there's a uh, race car team kind of associated with you guys too. Tell us a little about the race car team because we just came off the Gator Nationals a couple weeks ago. Yes, we did. Um, well, they're sort of associated with us uh, in in a sense. The um, Bernie's owner Josh Hart is, of course, the top field dragster racer. Okay. Um, his main sponsor is the RL Carriers. Um, company um and we just had we did a small sponsorship showstoppers uh, along with um rnl on the car at the gator nationals okay but uh, we're not a we're not a you know of course a top sponsor with those guys we just built in at the gator nationals to get a little publicity uh-huh 
Mm-hmm. And then, so what do they do? I, I noticed there's some trailers out back. Do they build, is it, do they build trailers and uh, stuff like that? Is that what they do, or what exactly does the company do? Uh, which company? RL Transport. Are the uh, oh, no, RL? They're one of the biggest transport companies in the nation. Oh, really? So they're up there with, let's say, like Reliable or somebody like that, or Horseless oh, Carriage. Oh yeah, yeah. They're okay. The, yeah, they're one of the premier. Yeah, companies all. They've got. Gosh, I forget how many um, locations across. The, probably. Oh, gosh, I can't remember. They're probably, they're in every state. They probably have 160 or so. Trucks. Okay, well, that's good. So we'll keep that in mind because, uh, you know, Reliable, even though they're friends of ours, they could use a little competition like everybody else. So we always like to help out the local guys because if an RL, are they based out of Florida pretty much or are they, uh, where's their home base? Uh, they're based out of Ohio. Ohio. Okay, well, that's okay. We you know Ohio's fine. We'll, we'll accept that. But at any rate, all right, so then, uh, and then there's another building back there I saw that said muscle car something or other. And uh, so what's that? You said that was a finance company or something? Well, there's a couple companies back there. There's Modern Muscle Car. That's it. They, yep. Yes, sir. They take old cars, um, transform them into brand-new, modern-type cars. So you could take, like, a 69 Corvette or 69 Mustang, and when they get through with it, it's like going and buying a brand-new car off the showroom floor. Okay, so they basically build resto mods, and that's really what it boils down to. Then. Well, it's a little bit more than a resto mod. Okay. Um, there's a few companies around the country, I think, that do what they do. Uh-huh. But, you know, they use control freak suspensions and they go from the chassis all the way up um so when you put on the air conditioner it'd be like putting on the air conditioner in your twenty two thousand, your brand new car it's a little more than a vintage air okay yeah cool. and the steering and yeah it's, it'd be like buying a brand new it'd be like almost buying a brand new c8 corvette but in a old frame okay that works so basically we're using the body and some interior components and keeping it somewhat original and then we're putting all the late model modern drivetrain components in it then right yeah yeah correct it's just a fit between the two okay now well, that works that's real popular oh yeah yeah it's getting very popular you know five years ago it was sort of funny it wasn't looked on as popular as it is today well i think what's happening is is that uh and I see this because I chart auctions a lot. So using, let's just say, Meekums or Russo or Barrett as an example, um, re- these modern-day retrofitted automobiles are kind of like the in thing. So you get a guy, not me so much because I'm into the old cars and I tinker, but you're going to get some guys that like the old car, but they don't like getting their hands dirty, and they want all the creature comforts of their late model uh, you know, BMW or Lexus or something of that nature, or Mercedes or Porsche. And this is what you guys are able to do with the, with these type of cars, and they bring a huge premium, often over an original car. They do, yeah. Those, uh, and no matter where you look shop for those particular type vehicles, they have, they bring a huge premium. So, uh, are there any of those type of cars going through your auction? You know, the, I, there may be. I mean, we just actually had some more stuff come in today. Hmm. Um. We've got some resto mods like that. I don't know if we have any on that caliber. Okay. It would be one or two. Okay. I think we got a Bronco coming across. One of the brand-new Broncos has just been upfitted. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, it's a pretty cool car. They've done a real nice job on it. Um, the seats, and uh, that's a modern muscle car. Or, okay. I mean, a modern, yeah, muscle car. Yeah. Conversion type thing. Okay, cool. Yeah, it is. It would be considered that. Um, what about uh, trucks? What other trucks do you have going through? Because trucks are real popular. So you got some mid-50s, 60s, 70s Ford Chevrolet trucks going through? 
Uh, let me see. We got a, we got some nice trucks. Uh, most of all the stuff we got are actually is actually nice quality cars. Um, you know the ones that are even the lower cost cars. We got some cars that will run you know around the ten to fifteen thousand dollar range, and uh-huh. we've tested a little bit to make sure they drive true and straight. Uh, we got I bring that I say that because we got a forty seven Ford pickup. Uh huh. Which been uh, restowed. It's original, but it's all been sort of restowed. Mm-hmm. We got a twenty nine international. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think we got a. It's a seventy two Chevy truck, four wheel drive. Okay, very popular truck. Mm-hmm. Well, interesting. Okay, so the price ranges is going to be what anywhere between ten thousand to a hundred thousand dollar cars, right? Yeah, we got a couple around the hundred. Yeah, we got some. Hundred and twenty-five and hundred fifty thousand dollars cars in oh. there, um, but yeah, the most of the prices will probably fall between the twenty and hundred. Okay, good. Now you have a showroom over there where you're at. Now is Showstoppers Collector Car Auction is the auction house. Is Showstoppers uh, Auto Sales? Is that uh, am I am I kind of on cue there a little bit, or what's how's that work? Because you had a beautiful okay. showroom I was in. So what's what oh, what yeah. goes on there? Yeah, that's actually part of the Bernie's operation. That's their okay. room, and uh, they've got they do have a beautiful, I think it's a fifty-two thousand square foot showroom that just opened up about eight months ago. Ooh, that's uh, huge. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's a huge building, beautiful, beautiful showroom. Um, our office just happens to be over in that complex. I think they have a whole city block over there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now the week the auctions this weekend, and uh, it's at the World Equestrian Center. Give us a few uh, little pointers on the World Equestrian Center because I've been there once and I'm totally impressed. So, go ahead and oh, yeah. share it with I'll us. Probably not be able to give you the the best pointers about it. I probably might not be able to tell you as good as it is. But that uh, the Roberts family that built that World Equestrian Center did it first class. That's first rate all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like uh, some people refer to it as like going to Disneyland here in Ocala. Oh, wow. Super. All right, so now you've got what? Is it a 10, 20,000 square foot building with concrete floors and air conditioning and all this good stuff that's in there? Is that the way that works? And the auction will take uh, place in there? Well, they've got, they've got it's, a, it's extremely impressive. They've done a first-class job all the way over there. Uh, they've got a regular outside stadium. Mm-hmm. I'm sure what they use that for. Uh, they've got some big inside arenas. Uh, they have two big expo centers. I think they're 130,000 square feet each. Ooh. Yeah. And anyway, our, our event is going to be an expo center, too, which is a 135,000 square feet climate control building. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. So now, if people want to find out more about it and they want to come up there and uh, spend their hard earned, saved up, oh, I'm going to buy our classic car money, how do they go about doing it? Uh, easiest way would be to go to showstoppersauction.com. And you can get most of the information there. You see uh, the listings page. Uh, the bidder packages are available. Uh, just general admission tickets are available online. And, of course, they'll be available uh, at the entranceway as well on Friday and Saturday. Okay. If I come in as a spectator, how much does it cost me? Uh, $20 a day. Okay, good. And then if I want to consign a car, how does that work? Well, we probably – I don't know if we can do any more consignments, Rob. We're – you okay. Know, getting pretty close. Well, you got one that might be coming tomorrow, and that's the one you and I have been talking about, so we'll save that for, uh, we'll surprise everybody on that one. <laughs> okay, very good. But but ordinarily, the consignment fee would be how much? 
to, cro- to cross the block, which is the same as the consignment fee, is uh, $200. Okay, and then uh, the, the cons- commission fees are what? Uh, commission fee is 10% on the consignment side, 10% on the buyer side. Okay, and then if it's a no, that's a reserve, right? And if it's no reserve, how much is that? Yeah. Uh, 7% no reserve. 7%. Okay, good. That's very affordable, very realistic, and pretty much in line with everybody else that's in the industry. Super. Yeah, and we do, of course, like a lot of them, uh, we have a, we don't have a no-sell fee. In other words, if it doesn't sell, there's, of course, no other charge. Oh, okay. Well, super. Well, Don, I want to thank you for hanging out with us here. This is uh, Don Bowles. He's the president of Showstopper Collector Car Auction this weekend, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, car guys, at the world-famous... World Equestrian Center in Ocala, Florida. Stop by and see us. I will be there, along with everybody else. So, Don, I wish you guys the best of luck. Thank you for hanging out. We played your ad a little bit ago. We're going to play it again here in a minute. And uh, wish you guys the best of luck. And look forward to seeing you this weekend. Very good, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bobby, go ahead and roll them, and then we'll be right back. Hey, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Card. Oh, my God. Whatever gets us through the night. Here's a little John Lennon. We haven't played this in a long time. I remember this. What was it? 1972, 73, somewhere around there? Hey, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cards. We'll touch a doll. We'll be right back. We're going to have our special guest on the phone here in a minute. Your little lights are flashing all over the place. That's what's up. We got a patient in there. You were still speeding. 
She's, uh, she's very sick. Oh, well, there's not a hospital within 50 miles of this place. Where are you headed? UCLA. UCLA. UCLA Medical Center. L.A. California. Uh, now, this is going to sound like a dumb question, but if she's that sick, why didn't you fly her? Why didn't we fly her? I'm just a driver. We have to ask the doc. No. That's a good idea. Why don't we ask the doc? Sorry. 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 What is this crude interruption? Uh, the, the patient, uh, why can't she be flown to California? Sis, on the walls of her lungs. Very rare. You see, airplanes are only pressurized at 10,000 feet. Now, anybody knows anything about medicine knows that she can't fly, she has to be driven. Oh, we couldn't even go through Denver, it's so high. Tell him to go back and pick up Mr. Boyd. Is that lady all right? She's in great pain. Cause her to make certain delirious tremendous. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like she's on something to me. Well, let me explain something to you. We have to get the senator's wife to California in 72 hours. You understand what I'm saying? We, ha we have to get the senator's wife to California in 72 hours. We're very close. Well, as long as you're in New Jersey, I want you fellas to take it easy. You got that? We sure do. Thanks a lot. Get this rig out of here. I'm glad there's no cupcakes like that in New Jersey. You haven't met my brother-in-law, Ralph. <laughs> I thought that cop was going to have a cardiac arrest when we said we were going to California. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't beauty terrific? The lady was splendid. She should have her picture on the cover of the AMA journal. I'm sure that doctor's a very sweet man, basically. Ah, oh, thanks. But don't you ever tell me where you found him. Ever. Hey, sports fans. Peter Brock here from BRE Racing and Aeroval Trailers. Listen to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, the best automobile show in the Southeast. Okay, we're back, and you're tuning into Nostalgic Video and Cars, and uh, thank you, Peter. I appreciate that. Okay, now it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This lady, this lady's legendary. She's a, a journalist, a writer, a racer, a timer. Now, I'm going to let you explain. I'll let her explain that to you. But she's also last year's inductee to the uh, Motorsports Hall of Fame, Motorsports of America Hall of Fame inductee. I guess that's right. I said it right this time. Hopefully. Did I say it right? Anyway, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show, Judy Stropas. Judy, how are you this evening? I'm good. How are you? It's the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America. Okay. Thank you. I stand corrected. Good. I appreciate it. You know, I had to laugh because we had Denise McCluggage on, and I said something wrong, and she scolded me as well, and I started getting these texts. It says, man, that's like uh, sitting in a classroom when your school teacher just reprimanded you. You know, pay attention. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. You said it. You had all the words, but not in the right order. Okay, well that's good. So, so can I use dyslexia? Can I plead dyslexia? Would that work? Of course, <laughs> you can do whatever you like. You're the boss. Okay. Well, speaking of which, now tell us what it's like to be an inductee to the uh, Motorsports Hall of Fame of America, and uh, and 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 what the honor was about. Well, it's uh, it's quite an honor. It's uh, certainly something that. You don't expect, but you are certainly uh, uh, just mind-boggled when you when you receive it. Especially since most of the 
honorees, most of the inductees of, in the sports car category, have been race car drivers. And so to, to be uh, recognized for the work I did in the 60s and 70s as a professional timer before computers came out uh, is, is really quite, quite something. It's not something you expect at the time to be honored for 50 years later, but I am, I am, and Robin Miller, who was also inducted at the, uh, last year, um, he used the word gobsmacked, which I also used because it was, I, I mean, we were stunned. So tell us what your, your, your gift was, so to speak, because you had this unbelievable talent to basically keep track of cars on a racetrack per lap. Is, did I, is, am, I, am I correct? Is it, did I say it kind of right? Yes, it is. And it's, as I said, it's before computers. So uh, I had the ability that I discovered by joining a, a, a sports car club and finding and learning from the women there who were timing at official races uh, in Bridgehampton, Lime Rock, other uh, tracks. And they taught me how to time and score, and I found it relatively simple while they said, well, it shouldn't be that easy, but there's something in my brain and my mind that made it relatively simple for me. So um, I learned how to time uh, n- numerous cars during practice and qualifying every single lap accurately with one watch. People say, well, you must have used a dozen watches. A dozen watches will only allow you to time a dozen cars. One watch will allow you to time 24, 50, however many cars you can handle on a, on a racetrack. Well, now and let me ask you. Required, all right, so I'm, I'm trying to relate to that because a timer, it's like a stopwatch. It's, it's click, 60 seconds, click, 60 seconds. How do you do that? Is that something you can explain, or is it just something that comes natural? No, it's a chronograph, and they sold chronographs. Hoyer has chronographs at the time. Many companies have chronographs. And you have the sweeping hand that goes with the timing hand, with the hand that tells time. Right. And you have, and you would click on that. When your car came by, you would click on that. You would read the time. You would write it in the bottom column. And then the next car comes by. Then you catch up the hand. It, it took an extra effort early on because you had to make the hand catch up. Later on, they had watches where um, the hand would automatically catch up. I, the digital watches did, did it better. Okay. But then you have the next car that comes by, and you write, you click, and you write the time in and his column. Uh-huh. And then you do that for six however many cars, and then the next lap they come around, you do it again, and you put it in the second line of the column and you subtract the two times and that's the lap time so you do that with 6 12 24 cars you have to be able to identify them click them on the on your line accurately uh and provide the information to your team at the same time and that's where my ability was unique and that i was able to do that with many many cars during practice and in the race we would do a lap chart so you would follow every single car on the racetrack for tote. And my services really weren't needed on short races like 10 laps. Any, any races where you had to make pit stops, that's when my information was valuable. Because once they made the pit stops, you didn't know what order you were in. And so it was very important to follow. So I would do six-hour races, 12-hour races, four-hour races, 24-hour races without stopping. 
and 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 tracking every single car on the circuit. Okay, so let me ask you this. Information to my team. So this requires more concentration than mathematics, correct? Absolutely. So how do you keep from getting distracted? Racetracks are noisy. Somebody's always bugging you. How, did you like sit yourself in a little isolated room or a little tower? How did you do that? Yeah, I had a timing stand, always up on a timing stand. I had an assistant who would time some of the cars during the race. You can't be distracted. You're committed to being accurate. You're committed to a top-winning team. I only work for winning teams, and you, you have to be focused. I, I'm in my 20s. I, I was focused, committed, didn't have to go to the bathroom. I made sure of that. Uh, and I just focus, focus, focus for the entire time required. Yes, you are in a timing stand. You can't be sitting sitting there with a clipboard. That, that doesn't work. You have to be sitting up high. Okay. So then, um, so you didn't always have a vantage point of the entire racetrack, but a good portion of the track where you could see far enough back where you could basically see three or four cars coming at the same time so you could do your do your uh, timing, correct? Correct. I had to have a line in front of me. I had to be above the heads of the people in the pits. The cars, uh, because they were all scored manually back in the day, they had big numbers on them mostly. Today's cars don't have large numbers on them because they don't have to follow them and track them manually anymore, visually. So they're uh, on transponders, so the numbers are more of a a courtesy to be able to tell you one car apart from the other, but it's not required for timing. So most notably, the team you worked for would be um, the captain, Roger Penske. So that was the, well, that was the team I worked for from 69 through the 70s, yes. That was the one, uh, as you said, notably, it would be the team I was most, connected with but i worked for many many other teams dan gurney's team uh, oh really uh, oh, oh i worked for when my when my services were in demand by many teams before the computers came in so i ended up an imso working for a number of teams all the top teams they uh, i would build them for my services and i set up a sort of a faux computerized system where I had monitors in only the pits of the teams that were paying me and I'd connect them with coaxial cables and I'd have a, uh, the gal next to me would look over my shoulder and she would punch in the numbers and they would look at the screen and they'd have things, it would come out in order, which was the only thing that was computerized was that she would punch numbers in and the screen would show them in order, but that was it. It was, it was my placebo timing system. Okay. Um, so I worked for all the top teams. Uh, I mean, BMW factory, uh, uh, Mazda factory, and Le Mans. I worked for BMW and Le Mans for Mazda, Jim Busby's team, the BF Goodrich team at Le Mans, and Jaguar at Le Mans. I worked for, uh, obviously, the Penske team at Le Mans. Now, this so, is what? Now, we're talking between 69 and what? 60, 70s? Yeah. Okay. Well, interesting. Uh, so now, those are some pretty fascinating names. We're talking Dan Gurney, Roger Penske, Jim Busby, uh, who, 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 who I've met before. He's out in California, has, an, has is a very successful IMSA driver. So what was it like? How did you, how did this whole thing come about? You just having to hang out with some friends one day and say, hey, you want to go to the racetrack and watch some sports cars? Is that the way it started? 
You mean how did I start? Yeah, talking? I mean as far as your interest in sports cars and even you know to the point where you hey can you do can you time for us you know what I mean but leading up okay, to that so I, you I I mean I was involved in was racing in cars early on okay um with I had a boyfriend at the time who had a 120 Jaguar he taught me how to drive on that car okay 57 Chevy which wasn't old yet at that time and um, so he, it was his interest and we joined the sports car club and in that sports car club is where the women were timing and scoring and they taught me had a time. I also became the editor of the newsletter of the club, and then I became a writer, journalist. I was writing for Auto Week early on. Really? For National Speed Sport News. Uh-huh. So you basically covered races and Strictly, right? Yes. Now, the, the, what type of articles did you write? Were they human interest stories? Were they about the actual race? Um, what, were some of the, what, was the, what were some of the narratives? Well, it's funny because I, I learned I wasn't a good race reporter. Carl Ludvigson, I was working, Carl Ludvigson during that time uh, um, asked me to work for him. He's a major author of, uh, uh, you know, outstanding books. Car books, right. And and so he um, asked me, part of uh, his, being his assistant was to to cover some races uh, for him. And so I discovered I was not very good. And here's my story. If you remember Hushka von Hunstein from Porsche, he was yep. a very good friend of Carl's. So I... But Carl sends me up to Watkins Glen to cover the six-hour race. So I do that. I go up. I write the article. I bring it back um, to Carl. He publishes it, and it shows up in a number of uh, European publications. And Hushka von Hanstein, uh sends a letter, which I received because I was his assistant. I received it first, and it was a letter that was before emails, of course. And <laughs> Hushka, Hushka writes a letter to Carl saying, Carl, I just read your article in Automotor and Sport and, and uh, about the Watkins Glen race, and I'm so sorry I missed seeing you there. But once I read the article, I realized you hadn't been there. <laughs> huh. So that was my introduction to doing race reports, and uh, I said, I'm not good at this. I don't want to do that. So I ended up for Auto Week and Sport News, mainly a column on the social side, the parties and other events that were happening. So that's kind of what I did back then. Okay, so then ultimately you wound up in the PR world, which is what you I do. Did t- right after with Carl, with oh. Carl Ludwigson, I started with him. I, I was I had the PR business at the same time as I was timing and race car driving and everything else that I was doing. Well, I'm going to draw a little analogy here. Um, you, you we're both good friends with Bill Warner. Now, what was interesting about Bill Warner and um, and uh, Amelia? is that Bill was a photographer back in the day, late 50s, all through the 60s, 70s. So he would come in contact with all these people, because back in the day, you could it was very... The race car teams, race car drivers, were far more approachable, and you could kind of get into the mix a lot better. And then, of course, Bill, being a car enthusiast and a racer, like yourself... So now we go fast forwards, and so Bill puts on these amazing events at Amelia Island. With the, I mean, like I remember my son and I would sit in the hallway there, and people like yourself and, and Dan Gurney, Mario Andretti, Rutherford, uh, Vic Alford, unfortunately, who just recently passed away, super nice guy, uh, Brian Redman. I mean, all these guys would be walking up and down the hallways. I would get a chance to talk to them for a few minutes. To me, it was like motorsports history just came alive and just walked right past me. It's the most amazing thing. So where I'm going with this is you actually have the same anal- the same comparison 
because you work with all these amazing teams and drivers through the 60s and 70s, and now you're in the PR world where you have access to these people and you help promote these people. My hat goes off to you. It's very, very, you know, I get your emails all the time, and uh, I think it's outstanding. I just wanted just to say that because uh, I'm impressed. Well, thank you very much. But yes, as I said, I, I, I was doing PR early on for Chevrolet. Uh, Product-wise, in the New York City area, we had a fleet of cars that magazines would write about, and I would take care of the cars and and, uh, and pitch them to the magazines. And Car and Driver was in town, uh, Popular Mechanics. We had a lot of magazines in town at that time. And um, so I did that. So I was with Chevrolet on the product side for many years. And on the racing side, they were sort of in the closet about supporting race teams at that time they were not openly in racing once chevrolet came out openly in racing i was the first uh pr person that they hired uh in the 70s 80s whenever that was so um but i i, I was already timing and I, I basically stopped timing when the che- when chevrolet got very much into it and they said uh we'd rather you focus more on the PR side than the timing side. And I said, okay, it's time to hang up my stopwatch anyway, so that's what I will do. So you got to travel to some of these most amazing racetracks in in the world, Um, mostly, let's say, United States and Europe. Did you go anywhere else back in the day? Because it was pretty much concentrated in in West Central Europe and the United States, and I think there might have been some races in Japan in the 70s, maybe in the late 60s, too, I'm not sure, but... Share some of those stories with us, or, or one or two. Well, yeah, basically, Lamar. I'd been to, uh, let's see, what other racetracks overseas? Oh, well, Monza. We were there, Monza, uh, Nürburgring. And then later on, I worked with Callaway, and I was in Zhuhai, in China. Uh, Zhuhai, yes, it was Zhuhai. There was a racetrack in some of them in China with the Callaway Corvettes. I worked with them. That was PR. I was doing the PR at that time. All right. So, now, um, what about Suzuka in uh, Japan? Did no. you go there? No. However, no? when 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 Busby won the C2 class at Le Mans for a for ja- for for the Japanese company, obviously, and they had a Japanese driver, that was one of my great experiences. Uh, at the end of the race, they won the race, and I had provided all the information right throughout the 24 hours. And it was up on a board, and they followed it, and at the end we won. And I simply went over to the hospitality area and relaxed, had a beer, (laughs) and I see a wall of Japanese people walking towards me, and I go, "Uh uh-oh. So I stood up, and they came to me, and they all bowed, and they said, thank you for a perfect job. And I'll tell you, I still get goosebumps when I remember that. It was the driver, it was people from Mazda, it was the driver's wives, and they were just so respectful and so appreciative of of the hard work that we that we we handle uh, in a twenty four hour race. So and so then they invited me. Mazda had invited me to Japan to uh, be honored, uh, uh, and I just couldn't do it, which was unfortunate. This was one of the things I regret in my life because I had I was committed to work a weekend for a group of teams, race teams that required my services and I couldn't go to Japan. So of all the racetracks, let's just say in the United States, do you have like a favorite track that I know you're from New England, so obviously I'd probably guess Lime Rock and I know you're really good friends with Sam Posey. Sam's an amazing guy. 
And uh, but but let's just say outside of Lime Rock, what what uh, what what are, what are some of the most or what track do you find the most interesting? And you've had you know like fond, really fond memories. I have fond memories at all of them. Um, as far as driving on a racetrack, racing on a racetrack, I'm um, not sure if I have a favorite. I did like uh, Seattle Raceway. Kent, uh, is that is that Kent? Yes. Okay. Kent, I enjoyed that track. I enjoyed racing on that track. Uh, as far as ambiance, I love Laguna Seca and uh, Sonoma. Uh, I, you know, I look at it from an, uh, an entire viewpoint, seeing the racetrack from from a social aspect, from a driving aspect, from a working aspect. So I like being in areas that are beautiful and fun to enjoy <laughs> for different reasons. Of all the race car drivers you've worked with and met over the years, which one kind of stands out to you? And I know you're going to say, and I, and I know Mark Donahue was on your mind because Mark, I never met him, um, but I, you know, reading all the articles and all the stories about him, and I had the pleasure of talking with uh, Jack Griffith one time, and he because he was telling me that Mark started out with him. Um, right. I just, uh, you know, Mark was just an incredible guy. But there were so, there were so many incredible. I could not select one driver. I mean, mm. I I totally enjoyed Peter Revson. Really, Mark Donahue. Oh, of course, Peter Revson was fabulous. Um, and George Palmer, uh, Danny Amzias was one of my favorites. Um, David Hobbs, of course, to this day is one yes. of my best pals. Sam Posey. Uh, there were too many. I had great respect for each one. Each one stood out on their own merits. They were the best, and they're the best friends to this day. Those who are still alive, of course. Um, I had total respect for all of them, and, and they had same for me in return, which was what made it so much fun and so great to live those years and to work so hard during those years and and uh, remember them, and then to be honored for actually just doing what I considered my job back then and now being recognized for it is fabulous. It is Women's History Month, so I thought this would be very fitting to have you on the show, obviously. And uh, so one question, because back in the day, did you encounter any of the, you know, the little, I don't want to say, just some of the, the difficulties that a lot of women did when they were kind of breaking into the motorsports world? Did you have any of those issues or anything like that? Or oh, Of course. Back in the 70s, we weren't allowed at the Indy 500. We weren't allowed in the pits. Really? A lot of NASCAR pits. Yes, people don't remember that. I don't remember and that. So, no. I know because you're too young. <laughs> and, uh, but no, we were not allowed in the pits. And uh, I have a photograph of myself holding a letter that, that I don't remember the, what year, but uh, Dusty Brandel, who we also lost this year, was uh, the first journalist, first female journalist to be allowed in the press room and in the pits at the Indy 500. I followed shortly thereafter, possibly the same year, where uh, Penske team was uh, racing in, in the Indy in 500, and they required me to be in the pits working, doing a lecture. And um, they eventually, USAC at the time, said, uh, okay, we'll finally let them in. But I had this letter that said, to whom it may concern, Judy Stropas is legitimately working for such and such a team. I actually thought it said, and she is not pregnant. But when I looked closely at the letter, it didn't say that. I was using that. <laughs> and then, of course, you have the uh, NASCAR. Again, Roger was running the Matador, 
and he wanted me in the pits at Riverside on a road course. This is one of their first road courses, if not the first, that NASCAR ran. Uh-huh. And he said, well, we need Judy in the pits and uh, Bill Gazaway. And I will say this, I don't think I'm too um, uh, unpolitically correct here by saying exactly what he said at the time to Roger. You let one woman in, you have to let all the bleep in. Yeah, I could say the whole word. No, 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 that's okay. We're family show. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was their attitude that wow. women were not welcome. So I wasn't allowed in the pits at that time. But we worked on the other side. The team put a truck on the other side, and we were up on top platform, and we were showing signals from the other side to the team in the pit. So that was... Uh, wow. we got a few minutes left. And I know we talked about this once before, but uh, the cannonball story. Uh-huh. Go ahead, just give us give give us a moment there. Just give us a little quick story. Uh, <laughs> a quick story. Yeah, or, or a quick episode, just a little episode, a little something during that uh, w- w- the cannonball. Well, yeah, I mean the whole thing was a was a ridiculous effort. <laughs> was yes, I, everybody else, everybody, all my friends have been running the cannonball a couple of years, and I said, you know what, that'd be fun. Let, let me do something. I'm not a proponent of all women teams and racing or. In any uh, effort, uh, so, but this was just meant to be a lark. It was something that nobody will ever know about. So I had put a team together of three women. Donna Mae Mims, uh, race car driver, always had Think Pink as her motto and always dressed in pink. And then the wife of uh, one of the other competitors, Brad Nemchuk, and uh, he, he suggested we he, we invite his wife so that she could go along and be with him at the end. And uh, so I put this team together and. Um, the, uh, I had all my racing friends help me. Bobby Rinsler got me the Cadillac limousine, which turned out to be a rental car. And when, when we crashed it, Bobby Rinsler called the rental car company and said, Oh, we love this car. I'm going to buy it from you. So, um, <laughs> we covered that. Mark Donahue helped me get tires from Goodyear. Um, Roy Woods got us some money from one of his sponsors. So I was fully back. And uh, we didn't wear our pink suits as they did in the movie uh, during the run. We just wore them as we took off. But uh, then we crashed in Texas when Peggy, the non-race car driver, fell asleep at the wheel and I tapped her and she panicked and stood on the brakes and we rolled the Cadillac limousine. Everybody was fine. Um, If you read Doc Yates' book on the cannibal, Donna May wrote her her, uh, chapter and I wrote mine. Uh, she talked about the crash. I didn't <laughs> keep it quiet. But, um, yeah, that was, you know, and again, it was, this was something I thought would never reach 50 years later. And, and people are, are I, I'm, that is one of the most known things about me was is running this cannonball. And it was the one thing I wanted mostly to forget. <laughs> it was the worst thing that had ever happened. <laughs> well, no, it's it's fine, you know. Uh, it's I think it's really interesting, and uh, you know, you you, you made your you made your, you guys made your statement. Well, <laughs> what was that? I I don't know. Just you know, you, you guys got you did it. Okay, you made an effort, and and and, and, there, and there's a big E for that. So that's great. Oh yeah. Well, Judy, we're up against the clock. I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us here. I'd lo- I'd love to have you on here again sometime in the future. Um, talk some more about some of the stuff. Again, I want to congratulate you on your award. Um, Motorsports Hall of Fame of America. 
inductee, right? I did it right. See, I did it right. And uh, by the way, real quick, I think we got uh, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Who did you help induct this year at the 22? Oh, I didn't. We were just introduced. uh, Oh, just introduced. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't present this year. Uh, In the past, I presented uh, to Peter Gregg back uh, whatever year when he was inducted. I presented to Peter Gregg, but um, otherwise, uh, no. This year, we were the past inductees were invited on the stage along with the uh, new inductees and that was nice okay well judy you take care um i'll see you at some of the events here uh, for sure probably in monterey or someplace like that and uh and again all the best to you and congratulations and again thank you for coming on nostalgic radio and cars thank you very much i appreciate it okay bye-bye have a good one good evening hey i want to thank all my listeners for tuning into nostalgic radio and cars don't forget check it out here every tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m for the most legendary and fascinating names in motorsports we got part two uh, coming up with Peter Brock. Bobby, why don't you go ahead and roll that uh, show? T- we can do that uh, Showstoppers commercial real quick more time. We let's could. That. Let's throw that in there, and then I'll be right back. Get that. Well, if I get that up. <laughs> if so, it, well, in the meantime, just, huh, let's just do, wrap it up real fast. Wrap it up real be. fast. I'll wrap it up. Okay, hey, don't forget, every Tuesday night here between 7 and 8 p.m., tell your friends. Uh, get out and see some of those car shows. Get to Showstoppers this weekend up in uh, Ocala at the World Equestrian Center. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. Horsepower meets horse country. Showstoppers Collector Car Auction is coming to the World Equestrian Center March 25th and 26th. Sign up for bidding or general admission at showstoppersauction.com. 11 to close on both days. See your dream classic car at the Showstoppers Classic Car Auction this weekend, March 25th and 26th at the Ocala World Equestrian Center. Witness iconic cars cross the auction block worth millions of dollars. Register now and get your tickets exclusively at showstoppersauction.com. Come enjoy the show. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.